Hey y'all, it's our season finale. Well, we still have next week's Just the Plate episode, but this is our last long form interview of season two, and it's with a really special person that I feel fortunate to have sat and talked with. Since you already know who it is because you downloaded this episode, I'm just going to get right to it. I was really curious to sit with Trisha Yearwood to hear about her journey into the food world. What inspires her, what she craves, what her life was like growing up around food. Does she cook for her husband, Garth Brooks, or does he cook for her? Anyhow, we reached out to her team to see if she'd be interested in talking with us. And within minutes, we received an email back saying, Dear Cappy, Trisha would love to sit and talk with you. I was super excited about this. So flash forward many weeks later, we were at the South Beach Wine and Food Festival in Miami, conducting the rest of these interviews for season two. We were about to set up in the lobby of the Lowe's Hotel, and we received a call from someone on Trisha's team saying, would you mind coming up to her room to do the interview because she just finished her Sunday gospel brunch event at the festival and wanted to sit in her hotel room around a table. So we packed up our gear, we went up to her room, we knocked on the door, Trisha answered the door. She introduced herself and she gave me a hug like I'd known her for 10 years and offered me coffee and water. And she was extremely kind and hospitable and warm. And you're going to get all of this in this interview. So with that said. Hey, I'm Trisha Yearwood and you're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. I'm the most surprised person that I'm talking to you about a cooking show and all of this because it was really just, I like to cook. It came out of that, that I enjoy it. it. It's relaxing for me and I enjoy cooking. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down in person with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the industry and the social impact they have made in their community. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. This episode was recorded live from the 17th Annual Food Network and Cooking Channel South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Season 2 of Beyond the Plate is presented by Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. If you miss Martin's Famous Potato Rolls bonus episode in Season 2, please be sure to check that out. Martin's was founded in the heart of Pennsylvania Dutch Country in 1955. Martin's Potato Rolls are the number one branded hamburger bun in America, and as I like to say, they can make almost any burger taste better. I hope you all have enjoyed hearing my journey using Martin's Famous Potato Rolls throughout season two and what I like to use them for, and thank you for emailing in pictures of what you use their products for. Here's what I love about Martin's. Their mission encompasses more than just baking great bread and buns and rolls. They believe in giving back to their community and beyond. Through volunteering time and donating resources, they support hundreds of charitable organizations such as food banks, after-school programs, disaster relief, and others that provide sustenance and comfort to people in need both close to their baking facilities and abroad. More on all this in that bonus episode that I mentioned. To learn more about Martins, visit their website at potatorolls.com or follow them on social media at potatorolls. Martins, we thank you. Okay, back to it. For this episode, we sat with Trisha Yearwood. You may see her on stage, on TV. She's the CEO of her own lifestyle empire. She is a hit with country music fans and culinary audiences around the world. She's a platinum-selling, multiple Grammy, CMA, and ACM award-winning vocalist with one of the most powerful voices in country music. Her first single debuted at number one on the Billboard Country Singles Chart in 1991. 
Her first cookbook debuted on the New York Times bestsellers list in 2008, Georgia Cooking in an Oklahoma Kitchen. This book actually began as a family project to honor her father. She has since had multiple cookbooks. She has a Food Network show, Trisha's Southern Kitchen, which premiered in 2012. This earned an Emmy Award the following year, and it's now in its eighth season. Trisha is one of those women that you could just go on and on and on about. But I'm going to stop here, and please enjoy this conversation as we go beyond the plate with Trisha Yearwood. Coming off of the Southern Kitchen Brunch, South Beach Wine and Food Festival, how was it? It was great. It's my sixth one, and for the past three years, I've been on tour with my husband, so usually we're on the middle of a tour, so I'll do a show Friday night or Saturday night, fly in, I'm doing my makeup on the tarmac, and I'm, you know, to host the brunch, get back on a plane and go to whatever city we're in, so it was really nice this year to come in and, and just be able to take a breath and spend the night and, you know, enjoy yeah. myself, so it's, it's been really good. Do you help curate? Like, I know there's chefs, a lot of local and from all over, but... Yes, I mean, we do have, they, I, I listen to them because they have an idea, they, do, they like to spotlight a lot of local food. And then if I have somebody that I want to bring in, I'll say, hey, can we bring this person in? And then with my food, I've worked with uh, the low chef Frederick for six years and he's wonderful. And we sort of see what everybody else is going to make. And then we decide what that we want to add that's not like everything else, you know, to kind of fit oh, in. Oh, you're with... putting a bunch of food in there too. Yeah. So we, so then, and then Frederick um, tests my food and we make sure everything's great. And, and then, so my table has, it's, has my food and then everybody else has their own thing. So it's, it's really a cool collaboration. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so if I came to your house for brunch, mm-hmm. <laughs> lay it out for me. But I want to go through this like using all five senses. So I'll rattle them off. All right. And you tell me each one. Okay. What would it look like? Well, it'd be blurry at first before you had any coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would be doors wide open. It's, it's a real open glass kind of house and a beautiful view of downtown Nashville. So just lots of fresh air. Whether it's cool outside or warm outside, just to kind of get the fresh air going in the house. Coffee would be made, not by me. My husband doesn't drink coffee, but he makes coffee for me every morning. So you would wake up and there'd be coffee already made, which is the best gift ever. (laughs) (laughs) So there's there's your sight. What does it smell like? It smells like coffee. Um, And then um, brunch, a lot of times, is actually Garth cooking. He really? likes, he does breakfast really well, and he makes something called a breakfast bowl, and he puts everything you could ever dream of having for breakfast in one bowl. That's like my wife's dream right there. <laughs> so I'll, if, if he's doing that, I'll wake up to the smell of bacon and sausage and eggs and hash browns, and he puts tortellini in the breakfast bowl. It's a thing. Don't ask. I, I, okay, um, <laughs> You can ask. It, it, he puts tortellini in a lot of things, and it's like... You kind of turn your head for a second, but then it tastes incredible. And then um, I usually will make uh, an, a later addition in the last couple of years has been sausage gravy to go on top of the whole bowl. So then you just need a nap because you don't really need to eat again for a couple of days. That's fair. <laughs> what does it sound like? What am I hearing? Music. Um, it, it's a loud house, you know, So um, and we're both musical. So, you know, now that we all have a choice of music at just the sound of your voice saying, hey, play this song. Um, It's anything from really seriously, could be Sinatra, could be Dean Martin, could be Queen, could be Linda Ronstadt, um, but always, always music playing. But you're using like Alexa saying, hey, Alexa, will you play this? Do you guys ever mess with each other where you're like... 
Hey, Alexa. Uh, well, a lot, a lot of times I'll just be, Alexa, stop. <laughs> like, just stop. That's not good. That's Alexa, bad. Alexa, tell me a joke. Um, what would it taste like? It would just taste like comfort. You know, it's, uh, I love brunch because it usually means you've slept in. It's a lazy day, you know, maybe a weekend. So it's a... It's such a comfort, and for me and my family growing up, my dad was a good cook, but he mostly cooked on the weekends. So Saturday and Sunday for us was my dad cooking a big breakfast, kind of like the breakfast bowl. So for me, it's not only just that it tastes great because it's all the flavors you love, but it's 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 comfort and it's childhood for me. Got it. This breakfast bowl. I know my wife's going to hear this and say, "Honey, when are you making me a breakfast bowl?" <laughs> it's in the second book, so you can totally you yeah, can totally look I it up. I probably will. Okay. Last but not least, what does it feel like to be in your home? I hope it feels like you're in your own home. You know, our 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 goal. My goal is if you are in my house. First of all, it's not formal. You're not going to have a tablecloth. You're not going to have a placemat. You're not going to have your name on a card, (laughs) you know, ever. It's really casual. And hopefully you are, you probably know where the forks and knives are yourself, you know, and you're getting, you're kind of helping yourself. So the feel is casual and friendly and warm and that you're really, really when you say, when I say make yourself at home, I mean it, you know? Yeah. you, You mentioned like comfort and family. I feel like every theme with books and shows, it's, it's all about that. Yeah, the, you know, the first book that we did was with my mom and my sister, and we didn't have, my mom had this big shoebox of recipes that were, a lot of them were handwritten, a lot of them were her mother's, m- m- both grandmothers, and a lot of things were in her head, a lot of things weren't written down, and so when we did the first book, for me, it was just a great way to kind of get everything in one place. I never dreamed, I, I'm I'm the most surprised person that I'm talking to you about a cooking show <laughs> and all of this, because it was really just, I like to cook. It came out of that, that I enjoy it. it. It's relaxing for me and I enjoy cooking um, for people. We told those stories. We told the stories of where the recipes came from and who, who why we love them. And it's really, because food is so inner interwoven into those stories. And that's really, I think, why the show came about and why the show works, because we just tell the stories. They're just now we just bring them to life with the friends and the family that are in those books. Now they're on TV, so you get a chance to really l- see the stories come to life. So you're the daughter of a banker and a school teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what life lessons did they teach you? My dad was a a really unique guy because he was a he was a local banker, but he had an ag degree. He was a farmer. Oh wow! And he got a job to provide for his family as a cashier in a bank because the president of the bank liked him in a small town. And he he worked his way up to vice president on an ag degree. <laughs> he was a handshake blue jeans banker. He was a, you know, so he, when, when, I, say, when I say he's a banker, I always feel like I need to qualify because he's <laughs> not like any banker you probably ever met. He would work all day until six o'clock and come home and put on his jeans and go out and we had cows and hay and pigs and chickens and a big garden and he would that was his love so he 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 worked his job and he loved people but he'd come home and then he got to really do what he really loved to do and so for from that I guess he he showed me the that it's important to work hard but also to make sure you have something that you really love and my mom was just an adventurer in all forms I mean she was a teacher but her her real love was her family, and after my dad passed, she just went everywhere with me. She she would have loved this brunch. She would have loved. She went she went all over the world with me, yeah. and uh, a sense of adventure. They they both taught me and my sister that really we could do anything we wanted to with our lives, you know, and that being happy was number one. So they were they were the best parents. It it really was 
kind of like a Norman Rockwell painting. I mean, it really was an idyllic childhood and adulthood. They were, it was a great family. So your music career spanned four decades. <gasps> <laughs> it has. Okay, but hear this. Your, this April marks the 10-year anniversary of your first cookbook, Decade One. I don't even think I realized that. <laughs> Does it feel like 10 years? It's, I don't know. I guess yes and no. It, it's, uh, it's, it all goes by so fast. Yeah. You know, I started recording music actually in 1991, so this is year 27 of music, which I remember vividly when the first single came out, and it feels like yesterday. And in another way, it feels like forever ago. I think that's the way I feel about the books. Um, we're in season 11 of the cooking show, which, and it's been seven years. So that seems like yesterday also. It doesn't feel like, you know, it's, it's so much time has passed. So for me, I still feel like I'm new in this whole food world, but I guess I've been around a while. <laughs> <laughs> has your food evolved, you know, within those 10 years or is your food your food? I think both. I mean, I think it's been really important. You know, when we did the, when the especially with the TV show and, and the books, the first book is it's like making your first album. You kind of been thinking about it for your whole life, or you and you have those basic recipes that everybody made in your family growing up. And then for the second book, we sort of widened the net to family reunions and the mm. thing my aunt Beth brought to every family reunion. And what's that recipe? So it still was very much about family. And then for the third book, we had to start really going digging a little deeper. And, and my sister and I had a lot of things that we had made for years, but weren't necessarily family things. And for the show, uh, we've kind of told those stories. We've made those recipes. You can't make, you know, fried chicken again. You've done it, you know, so, or you do a twist on it. So there's a lot of, of developing recipes. But for me, my, I feel like it's been fun to try new things because there's a lot of things that I, and I feel like I learn something every season. I mean, our culinary crew is they know me, so yeah. they know that you know my exotic spices are salt and pepper. They're not going to try to, <laughs> they'll, but they'll they'll say, hey, what if we did a twist on this pie that you make? But why don't we try it? What if we did this or this? And I'll say, you know, I really like I like that ingredient, but I don't know what that is. And you'll have to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to. I feel like I have to really work to make sure I'm true to to the people that watch me that know if 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 I'm learning, I want to make sure they see me learning. I don't want it to be like, oh, I know what kohlrabi is. Like, yeah. I didn't know what it was yeah. until I had it on the show, and we, we learned together. So I think it's been, it's definitely evolved because I've learned a lot, but it's also been fun to have a certain way a culinary team who went to culinary school does something, and then I go, hey, can we just do that with a piece of wax paper and a grater instead of, and like, oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. So I think they're learning a few things too because yeah. I just do things the way my mom did. When you're not eating Southern, what are you craving? Uh, Mexican food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I like a lot. Of, I like every, I like all food really, but I mean, I love Italian food. I love Mexican food. I like spicy, so um, I'll tend to kind of gravitate toward that. Yeah. So when you did the cooking show, did it come natural, like to be on camera and host a cooking show? Were there nerves that came with that? Or I'll tell you that I... I was I was nervous that I wouldn't enjoy myself because I I love to cook but I and I love to sing but I didn't think standing behind a kitchen counter and saying now we're going to add the butter I didn't I didn't feel like <laughs> that would be fun to do and so when having my sister and my best buddies and my family on was really for me my my security blanket to make sure that I had my people and then I could interact with them I, d I think I'm a lot better interacting with someone than being in the kitchen by myself and so then it became really fun and the 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 talking in front of camera and being silly and entertaining and all that, that felt natural to me. The thing that was the learning curve was TV production, you know? So, so I'm going to, I've got my coffee cup in my hand and, but we have to go back later and show the, 
the close-up, the pickup of me picking up the cup, and then <laughs> you put the butter in the mixer. Now we need to go back and get that. What hand did you have the butter in? And the first season, there was a lot of going back on the continuity camera because right. I, I didn't know. And, the, and now it's like I know now after all these seasons, you know. And we, we also have, a I think, a you know, our production has evolved where somebody, other cameras got that pickup, so I right. don't have to go back and get it now. No, we, we've, you're we're like, we're a well-old machine shot. now, right? <laughs> um, but but just the, the technical aspect of of that has been has been a real learning curve. How long are you, how long is it taking to shoot an episode? Well, we, again, with everything, we used to shoot one episode a day, a full episode, so we'd start at eight o'clock in the morning and be done at eight at night. And now we break it up. So if so we might shoot more than one episode in a day, but if we have a field piece like we go to a dairy farm or we go to a, a coffee shop, uh, that might be a different on a different day. And so we we really consolidate our kitchen time, which might mean that I might be in three different outfits in a day, but my time is a little bit shortened and we and we work efficiently. We we shoot 13 episodes in a block and we it usually takes us about about 16 shooting days huh. to do that. So, I mean, it's it's still eight to five or six every yeah. day, but it's also fun. I mean, if you've seen the show, we laugh, we show our, our mistakes. Yeah. We You go home at night and you're tired because you, you've brought a lot of energy, but you've had fun. It's yeah. always fun. I love I love seeing the mistakes. Is It just is, is almost comforting watching that, you know? You're like, I agree oh, with that. It's yeah. my favorite thing because I think people, I do kind of, I think my whole thing is that I am not a chef. I'm a home cook like my mom, and I think I cook like most people cook. So I think the relatability is sometimes you crack the egg and the and the shell goes into the bowl, yeah, and sometimes you know sometimes I've even cracked an egg and it went on the side of the bowl and on the floor, <laughs> and it's like we show it because it's like this this is if you really cook, this is going to happen in your kitchen at some point for sure, for sure. So plenty of studio albums, number one singles, top ten hits. What's harder, making a music album or a cookbook? Oh wow. Well, <laughs> there's there are similarities. I think the hardest thing about I think music is harder after a certain point because I've made 12 or 13 albums and so now when I'm listening to songs, I have to try to sing something I haven't sung before. I guess it's similar with books because you're trying to come up with recipes yeah. that you haven't done. At the same time, you want it to be familiar music-wise and food-wise to the to who's buying those things. So but I, I, maybe, maybe I don't know. That's a good question, because because now I'm thinking after making 13 albums, I'm I'm in a place in my life where I don't feel pressure musically to do a certain thing. I just feel like I want to find songs I love, and I'm going to make this record, and I'm going to put it out. For for the cookbooks, you have to think about what you want this book to say. Also, once you get all your recipes, you have to lay them out and go. Oh, we we have like. 20 beef dishes and only one app. So now we have to really like <laughs> revamp and figure out what your chapters are and all that. So it takes about a year to, from start to finish on a book for me. And it takes, um, it, it t- probably takes half that time to do a record. Did you ever work in a restaurant ever? No, I did not. I mean, I, as the closest I got was, I I set the table and cracked the ice cubes at home every day. You know, we didn't have an ice maker and I was the, <laughs> I was the ice maker. You know, my sister and I, we we helped and we helped and all that, but I never did. I mean, Garth has a, he waited tables and he has a he's like everybody needs to wait tables. You know, our daughters all did because it's like we need to you know you need to know that that feels like. And so I'm the one lone one in our family who who didn't do that. And I don't have a desire uh, as much as I love the restaurant. I love food. I love restaurants. I don't. Every chef I know that owns a restaurant, they just they work all the time, and it's so it's it's your life. And it is. I I got I just 
No, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. You're I'm good. good. I'm good. In doing research, when I see pictures, when you are in the kitchen, you look genuinely like very happy. Like to be behind the counter, you know, behind the stove. How do you feel when you're back there? Do you feel like you're in your element? Yeah, like I that's do. Your stage yeah, for cooking? it's fun. And we, you know, we the house that we shoot in is the house that I owned before Garth and I married. So it's my house, you know. So I, it's it's very comfortable. Yeah. Um, and the crew that we work with now is really most of these guys and gals have been with us for several years now. So we all are friends too. So it's not. It's it's a very comfortable situation. When I first started doing a cooking show, I mean, if you think about it, if you're in your kitchen cooking by yourself and there's not a camera crew, you're not generally smiling like, right. like <laughs> you kind of you look like you have an, an issue if you're just smiling right. all the time like randomly I, with I no one in your kitchen. Now. <laughs> yeah. And so after I shoot, I'll go home and I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be on TV for a while. I'll go to the kitchen and I'll be like, and now we're going to add a pinch of salt. I'm like, I don't need to tell you that, honey. But, um, but I had to be told a lot in the first season, big smiles, because I'm thinking. So I'm thinking about these 13 ingredients that I've got to get in here. I don't have a cue card. I don't have a teleprompter. So I'm I'm focused on what i got to do, and I'm not smiling because I'm serious because I'm thinking about it. And I'd have to be reminded a lot. And uh, it's, it's not easy. It's not. It's not. And I still, I still, you know, it never hurts for somebody to go, make sure you're smiling because you, you kind of look angry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm just thinking. I'm all good. So Trisha Southern Kitchen won an Emmy. Do you go into every project like I'm giving this 100 percent? Yes. I mean, everything that I'm involved with that has my name on it feels very personal to me. And so I don't want to do it if I can't do it 100 percent. I've never gone into anything thinking I'm going to do this and win an award for it ever. Not a Grammy, not a not a CMA, not any, not an Emmy. Um, they're really nice. It's wonderful, yeah. and I'm proud of that. That's a part of your world you just can't control. And so for me, it's always been about making sure that I'm doing things that I that I enjoy and things that I feel like I can do well. And I do a lot, but I also say no to a lot because I don't want to do things that I don't feel like I can either do well or just get to where I'm so busy with all these great things that I'm not enjoying my life, you know? So I, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's a real luxury at this point in my life to be able to pick and choose the things that I do that are, that are fun. I read that your music has been described as strong and confident. Can you give me two or three words you'd use to describe your food? Hmm, that's a good one. Anybody want to pipe in? <laughs> I um, I think it's more, I, I, I'm going to give you three words, but I think it's more than how the food tastes. It's a feeling almost. It's a an emotional response to food. For me, at least, it's because that's how I grew up. So comforting is a word I would use. Um, s- simple is a word I would use because my mom always said simple is best, which is why most of my food is simple in its ingredient in nature. And I feel like that's, what makes it good is it's not trying to be something. Sometimes when you try to get fancy, it's not good. Yeah. And then the third word would be, you know, yummy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think it's yummy. Oh, good. And I've, I've read inspirations in musically, Patsy Cline and Hank Williams when you were younger. Are there any chefs you look up to or keep an eye on or are inspired by? Yes. Um, the first chef that I uh, ever saw on TV was Julia Child. And what I loved about her and love about her is that she was a cook. You know, she she ha- she seems so real to me in her, and she was such an inspiration. 
the famous mistake in the kitchen where the potato, she's making a potato pancake basically, and it, it flips out of the pan. And it's, you know, it's like, and it's on TV, you know? And I, I think what she did with so little that she, she was, she's an inspiration totally. And then one of the women that made me think, I think I might enjoy doing a show was Nigella Lawson. Yeah. Cause I watched her show and she, she was so real and she was making food. She's a gorgeous woman. She's in there making like, I think deep fried Snickers bars or something yeah. and, <laughs> and eating them and coming back in at the end of her show and getting a piece of cake out of the fridge. And I'm like, she just like, I feel like we'd be friends. And I'm like, if I did a show, I'd want it to feel like that. Yeah. You know, I'd want it to feel like you're welcome in this kitchen, not, not I'm amazing and you could never do this, but let me show you how to do it. You right. know, and she was very relatable to me. She, she, she seemed um, like she could be a friend. So she was, she was one of the things I, people I thought about when I thought I might, maybe I could do this. Yeah. She's great. She used to come to this festival. Actually, I used to work full time for this festival like years ago, over 10 years ago, and she did cooking demos. I've not met her, but she was doing a book signing at Williams-Sonoma about a week after I was a couple of years ago, and I told them, I'm like, please tell her that I said yeah, hello. Yeah, <laughs> she's super nice. I need to switch gears here and talk about slow cookers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a trained chef, but I'm new to the slow cooker game, and I see some slow cooker recipes of yours that have popped up. Is there one that I need to try? Yes, you need to try the slow cooker macaroni and cheese. Ooh. You totally need to try that. Really? Probably everyone in this room could attest to that. <laughs> it's 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 mac and cheese. It's it'll take you all. The only thing you have to cook ahead of time is the macaroni. So whatever ten minutes to cook the macaroni, right? And then you assemble it and you leave it for three hours, and it gets the cheese around the outside gets kind of browned. And a lot of people when they come over to your house will leave the brown part because they think they're not supposed to eat it. That's and the I, winning it's so, ticket. It's yeah. so good, <laughs> but it's just a low and slow. Cheesy, creamy situation. That's yeah, probably you're gonna want to try that ne- one next Sunday's uh, slow cooker Sunday meal. Probably. Yeah, I don't make it very often. If it's just us, I'll because I'll eat it all. So I'll make it for like a Super Bowl or I'll make it for a party. Yeah, and it never. It's always the first thing gone. That's the thing with slow cookers. My wife and I make it for two, but I feel like it's always for eight. Right. Every <laughs> recipe. I'm like, right. wait a second. It is. This is true. Okay, I want to switch gears again to social impact and giving back. So a big part of this podcast, which is why it's called Beyond the Plate, is to share stories of chefs and restaurateurs and people in the food world and how they give back because for a lot of people, it's way more beyond their food. So for you, I know you've done work with kids. I know you've done a lot of work with Habitat for Humanity, but is there is there a certain way you give back? Yeah, well, I mean, Habitat is one of those things that I physically do a lot that is, that is something that I just enjoy because it's such a great organization and, and how they... Uh, really do work. We work alongside the person that's going to live in the house. They're building right alongside you, to, and so they put in sweat equity to be in their home. That's. It, I could talk about them all day. As far as, but as far as food goes, I've recently, I think, found my people to to help back in the food way. There's a there's a organization in Nashville called the Nashville Food Project, and they do. Yeah, I've just started working with them. We actually did an episode about around them, but they are an organization that works with a lot of a lot of local needs in the community. So they, they do they definitely do things for like homeless shelters, but they also do like any kind of organization that needs quality meals. And it's kind of like, it's a little bit like a Meals on Wheels because they do cook in a facility like a church and then they, and then they deliver. But they... They, everything is organic. It's all like it's an incredible meal. So their belief is that everybody deserves a, a really good quality meal. It is they have gardens. They employ refugees to come and work gardens where they these guys move to our country and they can't get a job because they don't speak the language or no one will hire them. And they were an amazing gardener in their country. So they get 
they build their self-esteem and they give them a place to do their thing. And I can't say enough about them. And I, I don't know as much about them as I should as far as to be able to give you no, their background, great, but though. they are they are really making a difference and they are they're not only providing food, they're providing self-esteem for people. And so I I feel like when I met them, I'm like, okay, you're this is what I want to be involved in. So for me, I like to go and just like I'll be I'd like to be in the kitchen just like peeling potatoes or I just want to be a part of the process. And Places that have an overflow, overabundance of foods that are going to go to waste, they will find those things and they won't make sure they go to good use. So they're, they're great. I always say people ask how to get involved with organizations. I'm like, it's not just giving money, it's giving time, it's giving your voice and things like that. Well, how... But how and why did you decide for this Nashville project? Well, I think you're right. I mean, you know, signing an autographed item for an auction that raises money for organizations is a great way to give back. And writing a check is a great way to give back. But the thing that connects us is getting your hands dirty and actually getting one-on-one. And we are in a day and age where we're so we're doing that less and less. We are more disconnected probably than ever. And so to to go be in a community and to meet people that aren't like you and that don't do what you do and that to really expand your horizons makes you feel like feel better. You know, anytime I leave a habitat build or anytime I'm done with something with the Nashville Food Project, when someone says thank you, I'm like I feel guilty because this probably did more for me than it did for you. It's yeah. such a. It's funny how it's, that works. It, it is funny how that works. I always say to people who are giving back, sometimes you wind up getting way more out of it than you put into it. Yeah, and and then if you go and tell a buddy of yours about it, then you get them involved, and then I mean, it's a. We have to find ways to still create a sense of community when everything is fighting against that. I think you know we have to make sure we keep connecting. Let's do a speed round. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I have had several cups of coffee. I'm ready. <laughs> what did you have for dinner last night? I went to Barton G. I had oh, That's fun. I had a lot of carnival food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a drink that was um, smoking. <laughs> yeah. So I had um, a steak and baked potatoes. I mean, steak and mashed potatoes was my main course. Nice. Name a smell in the kitchen you love. Bacon. Name a smell in the kitchen you hate. Collard greens, but I love the taste of collard greens. Ah, What's the most requested recipe by your husband, Garth Brooks? Any kind of casserole. You can just stick a fork in it and eat the whole thing. And what does he make for you? Pasta salad. Warm pasta salad. That's delicious. Delicious. I, you have some Tulsa connections? Mm-hmm. My father-in-law is from Tulsa, and he recently moved back, so we used to visit him in Santa Barbara, so it's a different trip for us. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, we're coming to Santa Barbara a few times a year. Now we're like, we're coming to Tulsa once. Um, do you have any Tulsa recs for me? Yes. Ice cream or a milkshake at Brahms, B-R-A-U-M apostrophe S, be the best milkshake you'll ever have in your entire life. What's the little place we used to always go where you get a gazillion, a pound of bacon for five bucks? It just <laughs> went out of my head. The lunch place in Claremore. Oh, um. Why can't I think of it? Hugo's. 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 Thank you. Hugo's in Claremore, which is right down the street from uh, Tulsa. I mean, it's and it's a lunch place only closes at two o'clock. Yeah. Ask for the Garth Brooks kitchen sink omelet. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> and uh, it's not on the menu. It's pretty much anything you could have in an omelet in this omelet, and they serve it over a bed of hash browns and the hash browns cover the it's one of those big oval diner plates hash browns cover the whole plate (laughs) side of bacon is literally seven to ten slices of bacon and your meal's gonna cost you probably six bucks amazing closing what's next 
for Trisha Yearwood. The tour with Garth has been um, almost three and a half years. We finished in December, and it was incredible, an incredible, you know, for for all sorts of reasons, but I found myself kind of fitting in all these other things I do, like the cooking show, with that. And so one of the things I haven't done in those three and a half years that's been kind of tapping me on the shoulder is music. I'm in the middle of just list, starting to listen to songs and plan to get back in the studio here probably hopefully in by May if we have our songs or at least a handful of songs to get started, April or May. So that's the that's really been the really fun thing on my plate because it's something that as much as I love food, I always say that music feeds my soul. It's like I I have to do that. I, I I'm glad I don't have to pick one. Yeah. Um, but if you made me pick one, I'd probably pick music because it's just what I've always wanted to do my whole life. So that's exciting to me. And then. We signed on for more shows with Food Network because I'm enjoying myself. So there'll be several more seasons of that. And and it is time to start a new book. So that's kind of also tapping me on the shoulder. But I'm going to get in the studio first to get some music made, and then I'll start working on a new book. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. We appreciate you. you sitting with us. Me too. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Quote, everything that I'm involved with that has my name on it feels very personal to me. And so I don't want to do it if I can't do it 100%. Thanks again to Trisha Yearwood. Find more on her at trishayearwood.com. Please join us next week when Beyond the Plate presents Just the Plate, a short segment where chefs describe a dish or a recipe that is meaningful to them. You can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Kathy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at BT Plate Podcast and Facebook. Thank you to our partner at Isle 8 by Flavor Gallery who supplied all of our signature hats and t-shirts to our Beyond the Plate guests. These will be coming to the ILA by Flavor Gallery site soon. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Sir Kensington's Condiments. Sir Kensington's is on a mission to bring integrity and charm to ordinary and overlooked food. If you know me, you know I love Sir Kensington's. Their award-winning condiments include ketchups, mayos, mustards, and an eggless mayo product called Favonese. A big congrats to our friends at Sir Kensington's for taking number one in the Chicago Tribune's Battle of the Ketchups. To learn more about Sir Kensington's, visit SirKensingtons.com or follow them on social media at Sir Kensington's. Sir Kensington's, we thank you. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yeaton, and Sean Petrosian. Our music has been composed by Goldford. As always, a very special shout out to my wife, Katie. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.